0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. From the Gospel. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. The distinction between a true prophet and a false prophet is really important. The true prophet speaks God's word. If we refuse to listen to that word, we will be judged for our disobedience. The false prophet claims to speak God's word, but tells lies. If we listen to the false prophet, we will also be judged for our disobedience. God's authentic word and its counterfeit can be traced back to the very beginning of the Bible. God spoke his first prophetic word to Adam in Genesis 2. He said, do not eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat it, you will die. Shortly afterwards in Genesis 3, a different false voice was heard. Did God really say that? You won't die. God only said that because he knows that if you eat it, you will be like him knowing good and evil. Embedded within God's first word to Adam and the first voice of the false prophet is a deeper truth about the human vocation. It was and is God's will that Adam and Eve and indeed humanity be like God, knowing good and evil. Genesis 1:27 tells us that God made us in his image. But the first humans were spiritual infants. It is not good for children to know too much too soon. Growth in maturity and knowledge requires time, training, and patience. In this light, we can recognize the essential message of the false prophet rooted in the message of the evil one, whom Jesus called in John 8, the father of lies. False prophets promise that you can get what you want the easy way by disobeying God. You don't have to learn through a long season of trust and obedience. You don't have to say no to your wrong desires. You can just take it and eat. Jesus said, you will know them by their fruits. In Genesis, the fruits of the false prophet were guilt, shame, fear, and death. Adam and Eve, who had walked with God in the garden, now hid from God in the bushes. One sin multiplied into many until evil became so rampant that God had to wash the world clean and begin a new creation. Jesus is the true prophet of God. He is the word made flesh. As Hebrews says, quote, God, who in various ways and at various times spoke in the past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us through his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things through whom he made the worlds. The prophetic message of Jesus is his whole life. He fulfilled the human vocation. He did not listen to the voice of the false prophet in the wilderness He said no to the temptation to obtain glory and power the easy way. Instead, he lived a life of humility, faithfulness, obedience, and patience, culminating with his death on the cross for our sins. Jesus teaches us that we can only become like God through the cross by dying to sin with him, and by living for God in him. As Jesus said in Luke 14, 27, quote, whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Similarly, in Matthew's gospel, just before our words in the gospel today about the false prophet, Jesus said, quote, enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way that leads to life, and there are few who find it. This highlights a certain tension or paradox in the teaching of Jesus. On the one hand, salvation is free. We cannot earn a relationship with God. God adopts us freely as his children through repentance and faith. On the other hand, God sets us free from our disordered patterns of behavior and forms us into the image of Christ through a long and arduous process. The tension and paradox is resolved by the family analogy. We have become children of God, and this status conveys both gifts and requirements. Children are freely accepted into the family, but they must be trained, educated, and disciplined over time if they are to become mature adults. Today's epistle from Romans captures this tension. It tells us, that we must fight the battle against sin because we are God's children, because that is what God's children do. St. Paul writes, quote, If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live.
1: For as many
0: as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Through the gift of the Spirit in baptism, we have been restored to the original human vocation. As God's adopted children, we are growing into the image of Christ by following his pattern of life. We are putting sin to death by confession and forgiveness. We are living a life of prayer and discipline in the Spirit that gives us the power to say no to sin and evil and to say yes to God. This life of sharing in the suffering of Jesus is described in the Bible as the pathway to freedom for one simple reason. It is bearing fruit in our lives. As we persevere in faith and faithfulness in the community of the church, our lives produce good things. We are given power to break free from destructive patterns of behavior, We grow in the experience of interior peace and joy. We begin to love others as we have been loved. The shallow relationships of the world are replaced by genuine intimacy in the body of Christ, the communion of the saints. And here we can further resolve this tension between grace and effort the grace of God does not save us from work, from having to struggle against sin and strive for holiness. Rather, it saves us from futility, from fruitless labor. Sin causes futility. As God said about Adam's work in Genesis 3, quote, both thorns and thistles." it will bring forth for you. We have been restored to union with God in Christ through the gift of the Spirit. Now we can labor in the Spirit and produce things that are eternal. We must beware of false prophets who tempt us to give up this fruitful labor and fall back into the futility of life apart from God in the flesh as St. Paul says. As St. Peter wrote of first century false prophets, quote, They promised them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a man, to that he is enslaved. Thus, St. John warns us in his first epistle, quote, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. The message of the false prophets is attractive to many in our time because it sounds new and exciting, even though it is really neither. Our world values things that are new and exciting, Similarly, in a world of constant chatter, buzz, and emotionality, the call to faith and faithfulness can sound dull to those who have what St. Paul describes as, quote, itching ears, who want someone to tell them that their sin is okay. The Christian vocation in our time requires the ability to step back, and disconnect from the noise and anxiety of the world, from the voice of the false prophet, and focus on the life of prayer, on hearing the authentic word of God, and on doing what God calls each of us to do in Christ, in the Spirit. Remember that the word holy means precisely to be, quote, set apart. The patient work of life and the spirit may look too ordinary for the world, but it is the only work that is producing eternal things. It is the only work that conquers sin and leads us to the resurrection and the life of the world to come. As St. Paul says in our epistle, You received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may be glorified together. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.